We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in possible. KC Laboratory, sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's a live game preview edition of the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. When was the last time you went into a bank? Now more than ever, who you're doing business with is more important than where they're located. Emprise is a trusted company with mobile tools that take your banking beyond the borders of whatever city you live in. That's Emprise Bank. Member FDIC, our partners in possible here at KC Sports Network. So grateful for them. Extremely grateful to be talking about Chiefs Bengals today with my dear friends. First, find them on Twitter at Maddie underscore KCSN. Matthew Lane, hello. Hi, Kent. How many times have you s- told somebody that they are tuna in a can? <laughs> None. None? I don't like tuna. <sighs> That's why... Never mind. Craig, how many times have you called somebody tuna in a can? Zero. Zero. I'm not oh, cool man. enough to use slang like that. I'm I'm, I'm sorry. Maddie. how about yourself, buddy? At least 13. At least 13. <laughs> um, it's definitely up there. And the, the best part is nobody knows what it means. So like, you don't really know if you're insulted. You don't know. You don't know what's happening when somebody says that to you. So it's just like the the most sly trash talk of uh, of all time. So, yeah, that, that's where we're at. We've hit the uh, trash talk portion of the week of the Chiefs-Bengals. In, a, in an interview that I don't think was supposed to be trash talk at all, it's just a guy forgot a name and as he was clearly scrambling, it ended up turning into trash talk and everybody jumped on it. What a time, even NFL players get into early December, late November versions of the NFL where they just can't wait for it to be over. Huh? Well, it's kind of funny because this game means something for everybody a little bit because like the Bengals ran their mouth a lot. They ran their mouth a lot after the chiefs game. 
Like they had all kinds of stuff to say after getting bopped in the Super Bowl. But um, I just, I just, I don't know. It's just, it's just interesting because like the Chiefs obviously feel like, I mean, they, they've clearly circled this football game. They've clearly circled. You this think? Yeah, I don't know. Like so much so that the free agents that weren't here last year have circled this football game. The funny thing is Justin Reed wasn't even here. Nope. <laughs> Justin Reed wasn't a chief last year. And here he is just, just, just stoking the flames uh, of this game. And I kind of love it. Like, I know we have some split, some split feelings on some of the, uh, some of the smack talk, but um, this is a very emotionally charged football game. And this is the game preview edition, by the way, we're going to talk about the offense. We're going to talk about the defense and I, this is the perfect segue into, I think, one of the biggest storylines specifically on the offense. Look, the the offense has uh, not said a ton. What do you – what timeout? What? I, what? Craig, you weren't here earlier this week. Kent tried to end the show before we talked defense. He actively tried what? to get us out of the show before a single word was uttered about the defense. Can Almost you believe this? It. Almost had it. I did. I, Maddie, I can't wait for our next podcast where we're just going to talk trash about Kent the entire time and forget his name, just call him by the wrong number, and just just talk trash about him the entire time. I forgot this happened. I had to make sure we talked about it. And we didn't really intro Craig. I asked him a question. He threw it back to me, and then we just skipped over it. Look, so I, I wanted to bring Craig back in. But yeah, you know, Kent, Kent tried to just skip right on over the defense. It was, it was every, something. Everyone knows who Craig is because Craig is great. No, We're going to start the offensive side of the football, though. And... Like I know the defense has been the ones talking, and like I know that's where the um where the the quotes have come from, uh, the bear being poked or the bangle being poked, if you will. But I think controlling emotions on the offensive side of the, the football is probably the most important side to be managing this. Like I think it's to the point where this should be a storyline for this football game. Uh, it is one of the three that we're going to be doing on the offensive side of the ball because. That was an emotional ending. That was an emotional half of football. I mean, the I think the Chiefs played with that with a, with, a, with, an, with some emotions in the second half, but the emotions were don't screw this up, don't blow it. There was timidity. It was some fear. It was a lot of things. It was it was chaos. And and so I think you know there's some emotions that they they're going to have to fight themselves of trying to to do too much, of you know trying to to um, exercise some demons from what happened in the second half of that game. So I actually think Matthew, like the, 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 the side of the football that probably needs to control their emotions the most is actually offense. I I'm glad we're starting with this point. I, yes, the offense absolutely does. I think this goes to both sides. Um, so I think it's like the perfect kind of jumping off point here. The chiefs seem really amped for this game. Mm -hmm. like really amped and beyond players beyond even Andy Reed, almost giving a little bit of a nod to like, Hey, this game's coming up. Like that kind of lets you know, the level of big it is, is that even Andy kind of chimed in on it a little earlier. And in a way that says, this is a big game that's coming up. Uh, you have, you know, trainers from players talking about it. You have a player that wasn't here talking about it. Like, this is something, this is here. This is mattering to this team a lot. And you know what? I don't like it. I don't <laughs> like that the Kansas City Chiefs, who have hosted four straight AFC championship games, that went to back-to-back -back Super Bowls, that should have gone to another 
credit to the Bengals for winning that game, but they should have gone to another are making a non-Super Bowl game out of a, or making a Super Bowl out of a non-Super Bowl game. I do not like that. That is for other teams to do to the Chiefs right now. That is not something that I want to see the Chiefs doing. I don't like the Chiefs doing that. It was different with the Buccaneers. You get into the game and all of a sudden you realize there's an edge. There was a specific game plan. It was what it was. That's fine. You want to have a little chip on your shoulder from a team that waxed you the last time you played and then let you hear about it? Absolutely fine. But as public as this one has been, as much the way that this game has been talked about from the side of the Chiefs, it really seems bigger than a regular season game on De- whatever's going to be December 4th or whatever should be. It seems way bigger. And I don't know. I don't like that mentality from it. And I'm with you. The emotions need to be in check once the game starts. And I think Andy Reid even mentioning that lets you know that he sees that as a possible issue. The team might be a little too amped. He's already calling for them to calm down. I don't know. I, I don't know where you guys stand on this, but I, I don't love that aspect of it going into this game. I am team do whatever it takes to get yourself focused, get yourself laser focused for a game. I'm all about it. They, they want to come out and talk some trash. They want to carry themselves. They want to circle this. They want to hype up this game to make sure that they are as focused as possible. I understand it. I get it. That's fine. My kind of qualm with this is that it is so out of the ordinary for an Andy Reid team. That, uh, that That's what kind of jumps out to me. It's like, this is not what Andy Reid teams do. Usually we get nothing. Like, you know, you, you, you have the media sitting there trying to bait them a little bit and nobody takes it. Like nobody, uh, very. It takes a guy like Frank Clark basically having having the defense accused of. Well, you're not going to stop Derrick Henry, and having said it like three or four times to him in a press conference before it finally snaps. It is not usually something that is brought up unprompted. Not usually something that's brought up as the forefront of, of what's happening that week, and it definitely feels that way. So. The thing with that, and again, like I said, that's what it takes to get into it. Fine. I'm fine with it. The problem with that, let's say they catch you for the third time. Lou Anaromo comes out with a crazy, you know, great defense. We're getting ready to talk about some of this, but they catch you a third time. Now, all of a sudden, you got a boogeyman. Now, all of a sudden, you've got a dark cloud that's hanging over you. And this is an Andy Reid team. They'll rebound. They'll get everybody. Everybody will get right. Like, I'm not worried about that. But now, now you've got something that's hanging over your team. You put all your eggs into a Week 13 Super Bowl. You circle it on the calendar before the season starts. You make you you're really amped up going into it. You talk about it in public. You know, leading up to the game. Now all of a sudden you drop that, and it it does. It has an effect on your psyche. Ask the Chargers about that, who have played the Chiefs in two Super Bowls this year who consistently elevate that game to something that frankly it's not for the chiefs the chiefs just go out handle business and it just every single year causes them to fall apart it breaks teams when you can't show up and you can win and again i'm saying this with the understanding an andy reed team certainly going to rebound not worried about it chiefs are going to be fine for the playoffs i just hate that they are in the situation where they are to put themselves to, I mean, essentially, Derek Johnson, when recorded the the defensive film breakdown, said, you don't put it on a pedestal, and it definitely feels like they're putting this game on a pedestal. Here's, I think, one of the interesting underlying storylines 
um, about this game because we're talking about the magnitude of this game from an emotions perspective. And it's very obvious that this team has circled this game. Um, the moment is very big in a lot of regard to what happened last year. But it doesn't stop there because if you have you looked at the Chiefs schedule after this? Yeah, it's, at, it's not good. <laughs> at the Broncos, at the Texans, at home against the Broncos, closing the season out at the Raiders. This is the last and final major obstacle remaining in your season. The Seahawks are, I'm sorry, it was a really fun story. They played above their heads. They're not that good. They're really not that good. And it's at home. This is your last major significant obstacle remaining between you and a one seed. And so you've got the, the magnitude of that mixed with the emotions of this game. So like, I think this game is a big one regardless. I think this is one where Andy could unload the clip. I know we talk about teams that might, oh, yeah. might see him uh -huh. in the playoffs and all that stuff, but this is a game to unload some things. This yeah. is a game to unload the clip. Uh, well, they're certainly, yeah, they certainly should. Like they absolutely, they win this game and then they get a very big head up on the rest of the AFC. You're still ahead of the Buffalo Bills. Like they absolutely should unleash everything here. And like we said, if you want to come into this game trying to prove a point to avoid falling 0-3 to a single team over a two-year span, and you want to like just get out ahead of that and make sure you win and put your best foot forward, 100% understand it. I think it's the difference is the way this is coming across is this game matters more than every other game to them. And that's not something that the Chiefs do. That's not something that the Chiefs do. You can go back to before the Buccaneers game. It wasn't until after that we heard that they were still a little salty about the way things went down. And it wasn't even still, it didn't seem like they put it at the same level as this Bengals game. It's just, it's been very open that this game matters a lot, that this game means a lot to them. And they've been talking a lot about the past leading up to this game. I just, I think like Craig said that DJ was mentioning, you can't put it on a pedestal. You can't have to win this game to have a successful season. And it feels like they are very close to feeling like they have to have this game to have a successful season. Yeah, that's a good point. You don't want death to your season, uh, but you do want death to your thirst. Right, Tucker Franklin? Hey, I got to tell you guys about our friends at Liquid Death. And by now, you guys already know that you might see some strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. Why is the water called Liquid Death? Say it with me. It'll brutally murder your thirst. And their infinitely recycled tall boy cans are here helping to bring death to plastic bottles as well. They also donate 10% of their profits from every can sold to kill plastic pollution. I've got the severed lime flavor with me here. I also love the berry flavor. And also, just the straight still water is incredible. I like, uh, I like drinking the water out of the can. It makes you feel powerful makes you feel uh, authoritative so here's what you gotta do go to liquiddeath.com slash kcsn to find their store locator tool or you can go get liquid death at your local target walmart or 7-eleven go check them out at liquiddeath.com slash kcsn i hit the like button hit the subscribe button if you're watching this uh it uh it helps us grow the channel uh it all kinds of good stuff leave some comments uh we'll try to post some jordan will try to post some uh, here there as well during the show you've probably seen a few here as well also hey you know what it would not hurt to leave a five-star review uh on your favorite podcasting platforms it helps us grow the channel as well leaves positive reviews for all of us it's really good 
Um, okay, so storyline number two last year, uh, the big adjustment for the Bengals uh, that kind of really derailed the Chiefs season, ultimately derailed the Chiefs season. Uh, they play a lot of drop eight coverage. They were dropping a bunch of people back. Patrick Mahomes got a little skittish um, and it ended the season. And I kind of wonder, is this something we see again? And, and how do we think Patrick Mahomes responds to it? So here's the thing with the, the Bengals defense. Um, last year, we talked about it. Their defense wasn't necessarily great, but they did something different. They did something wonky. They did something a little out of the box, essentially in the second half of every game. And the AFC Championship game, it was the drop eight and only rushing three and spying, and it seemed to really flummox the Chiefs. They had no answers for it. Now, coming to this year, the offense is entirely different for the Chiefs. It's running differently, different personnel, different players. Like, everything's different, so you don't know how it'll work. But you go back to the Bills game, they ran it with a little bit of success, and they changed it up. They spied with a linebacker instead of a defensive lineman. They added a little bit more athleticism, but they they had some success doing that. But then no other teams tried it against the Chiefs since then. So like you got to figure out why is no one doing it to the Chiefs? What are they seeing as a potential dilemma to trying against the Chiefs? But then you go back to the Bengals side. They were running it last week against the Titans. Mm -hmm. They're still doing it. This is something that is in the regular kind of uh, call sheet for the Bengals right now. They like to align with five defensive linemen sometimes, other times four, and they'll put a linebacker right there in the A-gap and everything will look the same. Then they'll rush four, they'll rush three, they'll rush all five. They mix it up, but they will. I think they will absolutely go back to this drop eight coverage and the Chiefs are going to have to come up with some kind of answer. Something they're doing has been stopping other teams from trying it and I don't know what that is. One of my ideas behind it is the Chiefs have gone a lot heavier in their personnel this year. It's kind of hard to drop eight if you're going to be playing out of base personnel. You really want to drop three linebackers and a defensive end into coverage? I mean, I understand the Chiefs might have three tight ends running routes. Jody Fortson, Travis Kelsey, and Noah Gray can absolutely out-athlete your strong side linebacker and a defensive <laughs> end, right? So the Chiefs going heavier might be making defenses play a little heavier or at least a nickel. That makes it a little trickier to drop eight in coverage. But I'm interested if Craig has any ideas on why we don't think teams are doing it this year or what other answers the Chiefs might have if the Bengals go that route. I do think that what we're seeing is there are more options that are better against zone in the Chiefs receiving core. Obviously, you know, we we praise Juju Smith-Schuster and what he can do against zone defenses. We know that Travis Kelsey is an elite beater of zone defenses as well. But I think that we've seen MVS settle into some of those and you know, you know, occupy a seam really well. We've seen Justin Watson occupy some of that stuff. It, you know, even if he's not getting targets, he's in those areas of the field that are making safeties panic, that are making these guys have to have a lot better communication to pass this stuff off and make sure that they're getting things together. And I think that that has scared some teams because like we've seen against some of these zone coverages, Juju Smith-Schuster catches something in the middle of the field, breaks two tackles, goes the distance. Travis Kelsey breaks a couple of tackles, goes the distance. Those are the big plays for the Chiefs offense right now is – beating these zone coverages and outrunning, running through guys, getting physical in the secondary and requiring safeties to come up, make big plays, make tackles, lest they allow an explosive play. It hasn't been as many of those deep shots. It hasn't been beating teams over the top. It's been in that area of the field. And when you're dropping eight, in theory, you know, you're clouding that area of the field, but 
Travis Kelsey, Juju Smith-Schuster are smart enough players. Add a little depth to that route. Get into some of these spaces in between stuff, and we know that Patrick Mahomes can hit them there. He's comfortable hitting these guys in some of these option routes as they freelance in their route tree. Very comfortable with it. And so I think that, you know, obviously the Bills did a good job of it. The Bills are an elite defense. The Bengals, good defense. I don't think that they're elite. So I, I do think that we will see some of it at some point in this game because it is one of those that Luana Romo threw them for such a loop with it. Like, you got to go to it again. You got to try. <laughs> At the very least, you got to try. But I do think that the personnel that the Chiefs have, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, awesome, awesome receivers. But you can bracket those two guys and say, hey, McCall Hardman, beat a zone. Dem Demarcus Robinson, beat a zone. Byron Pringle, beat a zone. And guess what? Eh, you're not, you're not going to be as threatened by those guys. Now the Chiefs have a little better personnel. I am just remarkably impressed that Craig was able to nail Lou Anaromo's name. He's been calling me and practicing for the past two weeks. I have. I have. Game. I've been, as he's going to sleep, I'm just sitting there practicing. <laughs> Lou, Lou okay, you can't tell people that. People are going to get jealous. They're going to start I, offering to... I'm already I'm jealous. Boy, he hasn't he hasn't talked to me to sleep for weeks. Um, <laughs> I think I think everything you guys said is true. I think Mahomes has got to be a little bit more patient from the pocket. Um, I think there's a little bit of that too, and I think as the seasons progress, he's gotten a little bit more patient. After the Bills game, I think he showed some intentionality and willingness to to hang in there a little bit longer. And um, if he does that, I think that is a um, I think that's something that can that can benefit, you know, trying to dissect against a, a deeper, you know, or a, a lot more zone, uh, a lot more defenders in zone coverage. What do we think about three and a spy? Just I, I think that's something like I could see the I could see the Bengals stealing that uh, this week as well. Like, I think that's something they could probably uh, get into as well, too. So like that's that's I think that's one thing we could see as well. Uh, let's talk about the run game, though. Is this an opportunity for a, a balanced attack, Matthew? I mean, I think that they kind of have to be like, if you're, if you're the chiefs right now, one of the best counters to, you know, this dealing with drop eight stuff, because you're going to just naturally, you're going to have one of these defensive linemen or somebody up on the line is going to be playing a little bit more passive. What you're going to do here is if you run the ball, I mean, it's just quite simple. You run the ball. And I mentioned yeah. it before she's playing a little bit heavier personnel that's allowed them to get into a few different run concepts. We've seen them go a little bit more gap heavy. We saw them have some success, with outside zone and running it to their tight ends, actually to two tight ends on the same side. And they would both just kind of split arc around an edge player. So the tackle could go to kick him out and they'd have two tight ends getting up the second level while running outside zone. So they've run the ball relatively well when they're going heavier. So if the Bengals don't want to go into base personnel against the chiefs, 12 or 13 personnel package, the Chiefs should be able to find a matchup advantage on the ground. Now I don't think they're going to come out and run the ball 40 times, but they've ran the ball 27 times or more their past three games. They've went over 100 yards in every single game. It was There was some tough sledding versus the Rams. Their average wasn't good, but the two games prior were pretty good, and I know that includes Mahomes scrambling, but it's clear the run game is on the uptick. So if you're going to go against a team that is going to play at least one defensive lineman passively because he's spying or dropping into coverage and the Bengals are afraid to match your heavy personnel, with base, per base personnel because they want to keep athletes on the field, you should be able to find an advantage. This run game should be able to find some room. The Bengals rush defense is 
middle of the pack in the NFL. The Chiefs can run the ball pretty well when they settle down to do it. So I don't think the Chiefs are going to you know, play smash mouth football, but to balance this out, make the Bengals at least respect the run a little bit so that you open up the pass. So you trick them into either playing base so they can't drop eight, or if they're going to drop eight into coverage, they're getting punished by the run game. I just think the Chiefs being a little more balanced not throughout the whole game, but on dr- a drive-by-drive basis than they were last year will help. Like We all know the Chiefs kind of tried to run the ball in the second half last year. Yeah. It doesn't work if you're only running the ball, or it's not going to work if you're only passing the ball. Stay more balanced this time around and take advantage of that personnel grouping that probably can slow them down a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I, I, you know, when, when you watch this Bengals defense, they, they want to stay in nickel, and they're going to want to stay in nickel, especially when Travis Kelsey is on the field. You know, Chiefs Chiefs using two tight ends, and one of them is Travis Kelsey. They're going to counter with nickel. That's what most teams do, and it makes sense. You know, they're going to treat Travis Kelsey more as like an X receiver or something like that. So they're going to stay in that nickel defense because they have confidence in their defensive line to stop it. DJ Reader is a monster. He has been so good this year for the Bengals defense in the middle of it, playing nose tackle. He has really been exceptional, and he has done an awesome job of being the point man, being the point, being the guy who can stop things up front. And that allows him to play more nickel. That allows them to let Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson run alongside, run behind him, and everything works. So I do foresee that they're going to try and stay in sub package personnel they're going to try and not have to counter with base because it limits some of the coverage stuff that they can do and that's just going to force the chiefs to maybe run the ball more i am with maddie keep it balanced put the hands in or put the ball in the hands of isaiah pacheco jarek mckinnon looks like he may or may not be active this week this is the second practice we're recording this on thursday he's missed two practices in a row here Chiefs have signed Melvin Gordon. He's on the practice squad. They've got Ronald Jones there, so they will certainly have a full complement of running backs back there. But Pacheco's the only guy who's really gotten the reps and knows the way that things want to happen, and he's going to end up being probably your third down back unless they trust Melvin Gordon to no protections on a short week. like that. That's, that's tough. So it's going to be one where I think you're going to see more Pacheco on the field. Go ahead and use him. Go ahead and use him in the run game a little bit more. Don't don't force him to have to pick up a whole bunch of extra blitzes and things that you know the Bengals defense is throwing at him. Use him in the run game. He's on the field already, and just balance this out a little bit. Don't allow those linebackers. Don't allow that defensive line to pin their ears back and just go after Mahomes because you're throwing the ball you know fifty times in the game. Hey, hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button if you are watching this. Helps us grow this channel. Craig, what you got? Well, my player to watch is Isaiah Pacheco. Just got done talking about him, and it's because he's going to be on the field so much. I I would wager a lot of money this is going to be his highest snap count of the year. And like Matty said, this Bengals defense, middle of the pack against the run. And DJ Reader, really good run defender, so so Trey Hendrickson. I mean, like these guys, they've got guys that can step up, defend the run. Oh, yeah, and Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt are good at it, too. So... This is a game where if Isaiah Pacheco is an impact player for the Chiefs offense, if he's a guy that we are talking about in a positive way after this game, I think the Chiefs won this game. Like I, I Because that means that they were able to control the tempo of the game. They were able to control the pace of the game. He ran hard. He had success against a decent run defense. And he probably made some catches 
made some good pass pick or blitz pickups. Isaiah Pacheco is the guy that I'm really focused on this game. I'm pulling the card, guys. I'm pulling it. It's coming out for this game. It's Patrick LeVon Mahomes. There's, we talked this out. I opened this up saying that I don't like how this game is being treated as a Super Bowl. You, you'll be very, you'll know very, very, very specific. One player has not really come out and not even said a whole, whole lot about the game. Like, yes, Patrick Mahomes was on the New Heights podcast and he talked about how he hadn't beat Joe Burrow yet and they were 0-2, but it was in a very much a respectful way to him and that that's a, another quarterback that he enjoyed to watch. You will very much notice that he has not been one of the players that is getting into this stuff. When he talks about the Bengals game, it's all about how unwell he played in the second half. It is not about their team. It is not about making this game bigger than it is. There is one player for sure that I know has this game on his mind and that I think I trust to play really damn good in this football game, and his name is Patrick Mahomes. I don't think this is an over-my-dead-body game. I think this is an I'm pissed off because I didn't play well last time. I think this is I'm pissed off because I potentially cost this team a trip to the Super Bowl. You were going to get the best version of Patrick Mahomes in this game. I think you saw in the first half of both Bengals games, he can have his way with that defense. He has. It's not like there's not a you know recipe for success he has against this defense. It's right there. It's just laid down the stretch of both games. The Bengals adapted and they played better. I do think in this particular instance, I trust Patrick Mahomes to come out, play his best from start to finish, and do everything that he can. Not just, you know, not over my dead body, just a pissed off. A pissed off, petty Patrick Mahomes, because now you're starting to get Dan Orlovsky talking about how the Bengals are the team that should be scaring everybody. And you're getting all this stuff coming up. I don't know. I just think this is one of those games where Mahomes kind of plays angry, and maybe the first drive or two, he airmails a ball. Maybe he comes out too hyped and puts a ball to the third row of the stands, but guess what? I think when you see him put a ball in the third row in the first series and it comes down, you should feel pretty good because that means he's got that energy about him, but he knows how to control it, and things are about to get real nice after that. I didn't want to follow that. <laughs> I was about to play the LeVon card too. Well, you did it well, Matthew. Let's move on. The defensive side of the ball. Uh, I'll go Juju Smith-Schuster. I think he'll do really good in zone coverage, by the way. Um Defensive side of the ball, though, one of the moments, one of the issues from the last time that these two teams played, because despite the offense's performance, the defense played well in in the second half, all things considered. You know, I don't think it was the defense's fault necessarily that this team lost that game, obviously. Um, Short fields were a thing (laughs) at times, but also not completing sacks. Joe Burrow escaped out of he was he was solving some problems last time these two teams played. In the play against Joe Burrow has to be on the minds of the entire defense, but especially Christopher Jones. <laughs> oh, am I going first? Listen, sorry. Normally Craig's first up on the No, you're stuff, first, so buddy. I'm, Take it yeah. away. God, these outlines, man. Uh, okay, so um, the Chiefs, yeah. Here's here's the thing. Um, sacking Joe Burrow's good. The Bengals and Joe Burrow himself make it pretty easy. There's a reason they've been shown as the most the team that gives it the most sacks per game last year, and this year they're still top five. Uh, they give up over three sacks per game. It's not pretty. It's not good. Burrow will hold the ball, and the offensive line isn't particularly good. The issue the Chiefs have run into 
is they still have to blitz to get Joe Burrow down. And even then, half the times the defensive backs don't get him or defensive linemen don't get him down, right? They have to finish these pressure plays, first of all. But second of all, the pressure can't be predicated on blitzing. Joe Burrow, good quarterback. He sees your blitz. He knows where the football's got to go. Or he knows where the one-on-one matchup's going to be. And guess who trusts his wide receivers more than anybody else in the football in the NFL? Joe Burrow. So if you Needs have to blitz have to blitz to get pressure, then you're putting yourself behind the eight ball. You're putting yourself behind Joe Burrow's brain capacity to see what's happening faster than your guy can get there. It's fine to have blitzes in there, but they have to be a surprise. They have to catch him off guard a little bit more frequently. And they did do that in the first half. But in the second half, Bengals hunger down. They call max protect. They move the pocket a little bit. They get the ball out quicker. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All of a sudden, Joe Burrow is not getting hit by this pressure, the blitz when it's coming, and then the Chiefs get no more pressure. You have to be able to get pressure with four. You have to be able to mix in the ability to drop and play coverage and not just blitz, but then also get home. This Chiefs defensive line needs to step up this game. It's not a good Bengals offensive line. This Chiefs defensive line needs to have one of their best games of the year. That's going to be really important to slowing down the Bengals passing attack. For God's sake, Steve Spagnuolo, take the cover zero blitz, put it in your back pocket, save it for next week, please. Just please. I, listen, I like these corners a lot. Uh, I, I like some of the matchups that they're going to get against the these receivers, but this is a ridiculously good set of wide receivers. And like Maddie said, a quarterback that is going to just throw it up. They're not 50-50 balls with T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. They're just not. They're tilted in favor of the offense. Don't cover zero blitz. you got to try and make that window smaller by keeping a safety over the top. You've got to try and force him to slot a perfect ball. And if you get beat by that, that's fine. You know, I, I am absolutely fine with that. These third and long situations, these are the ones that I think stick out in every Chiefs fan's mind when you think back to those Bengals games. These third and long situations where you are just bringing all the pressure in the world because you're not getting home with four, resist the temptation. Yes, Joe Burrow is worse when he's getting hit, when he's getting knocked down. I totally and completely get why you want to do it. You want to send a slot blitz every once in a while? Fine shelve the zero blitzes on third and long you love them you love to lean on them shelve it just put it away please i can't wait for spagnolo to come out 
and like have three successful ones on third and longs and and we were eating those words but man i i just don't want to see it again this week i bet you do <laughs> i really do i think you're gonna see it i think i think you know like that just seems like a very spags thing to do just yeah. still like hey look yeah he got us he got us last year but you know what? He may not be expecting it a couple times here. I think he might pick his spots a couple times still. Uh, we'll find out if it works and if he actually does that. Cornerbacks tackling. We just talked about them maybe getting uh, some, you know, having some one-on-one opportunities they're going to have to endure. Well, they might have to tackle in space a little bit, Matthew. Nope, absolutely. Um, so the next thing the Bengals like to do, they're like, hey, we're going to run uh, a pseudo screenplay, but like five yards downfield. Um, this is one thing they really like. They like to run, have everybody run verticals, and then an outside receiver or a running back is just going to check up, lay up right underneath them, and they're going to have everybody immediately block. They will also catch some offensive pass interference on these plays because they will definitely block early, but they do get the ball in space. And with Jamar Chase back, I think that's only going to happen even more often, right? Jamar Chase is their best yards after catch runner he's back i'm interested with this hip injury to see how much they throw him like little bubbles and just tell him to go make things happen like i know he's healthy i just wonder what that looks like now like is that really what you want to do with the guy in his first game back we'll see but the chiefs cornerback safeties everybody in the secondary is going to be put in a position to take have to make tackles in space the Bengals will attack space whether it is these kind of smooth you know downfield screen plays or whipping it out to the sideline and these guys, Trent McDuffie, Joshua Williams, Legereus Sneed, they will have to complete tackles in space. This is something they did not do particularly well last year against the Bengals, especially in that, especially in the first game. I think it was the first game where Jamar Chase was really getting to run wild after the catch on a couple plays. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be big. It's going to matter because the Bengals lived or died off of explosive plays against the Chiefs. I think they only had like two drives in both games where they really just marched down the field the rest of them were chunk plays and most of them were vertical passes but there was a handful of yards after you know after the catch and that's where it came was because of the missed tackle so this is going to be a good test for a new young secondary that wasn't really here for the majority of that besides Sneed and Thornhill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I do think, you know, with the Chiefs playing as much cover two as they have been this season, we've seen them struggle to get over the top of some stuff deep. And so you've seen the corners maybe sitting a little bit deeper, you know, in, in that in that underneath line as an apex defender on the boundary. That's where the Bengals, I think, look a little bit different this year. Uh, it's not just kind of go balls and slants to Jamar Chase. They're throwing a lot of quick outs. They're throwing a lot of flat routes. They're throwing a lot of stuff underneath or, you know, pressing vertically and then then breaking off, you know, short of the sticks. 
they're more than content to get four, five yards a chunk right now. They are fine with seeing the extra safety help over the top, obviously, to protect against Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. They're fine with leaning on that and breaking off everything short. And if you're going to break off everything short and you're going to kind of give that space, which I imagine the Chiefs will, you have to tackle. And you have to tackle really well. Don't let a three-yard, a four-yard gain turn into a nine-yard one or more, you know, in the case of that Jamar Chase slant that he had against the the Chiefs in that Mm -hmm. first game where they had him dead to rights at about seven yards and it's a huge touchdown. You can't allow those shallow plays to turn into explosive plays. And since there are more of them out of the Bengals offense, which again, makes perfect sense by the way that the, the defense are playing them, you have to have your corners tackle ridiculously well in space. Now, We've seen it so far. Joshua Williams looks really good coming up in run support. So does Legereus Need. So does Trent McDuffie. I think that those three guys are better positioned to come up and lay a hit on these guys. But it, it, it does give me a little bit of trepidation because those receivers are hard to bring down. And, you know, seeing them for the first time, if you're rookies like Williams or, you know, uh, McDuffie, approaching Jamar Chase might be a little bit of intimidating. So run through him, bring him down. Yeah. You've got a lot to defend. If you're, if you're, uh, if you're the chiefs trying to handle the talent of these guys, because you just talked about the short game and, and Jamar being able to run through with excellent contact balance. Well, he's also really good on YOLO balls. And this is a team that, has shown a propensity and a willingness to challenge outside the numbers and give receivers a shot. And uh, that is something that I think this team is going to be very, very intent on having to navigate, deal with, uh, and uh, and having to stop, Matthew. That's I mean, that's item it, number one. Um, <laughs> item number one. Led with like, it. This is this is it. Like you. Okay, to credit, I'm going to start. I'm going to credit the Bengals. Their offense, especially since Chase has gone down, has been better this year. It's been more consistent. They have found ways to win without relying on the YOLO ball down the sideline. They have thrown the middle read route of some of their some of their play designs a lot more frequently. Joe Burrows hit some seam routes up, up the seam to tight ends to Tyler Boyd. They've thrown more corners into the void of cover two and like little hole shots. They have done more consistently in the passing game besides throw fade routes and back shoulder throws. They have done a lot more to push the ball downfield. It's probably made their passing attack a little bit more dangerous. The thing is, a lot of that came without Jamar Chase. Now that he's back, did they just simply go back to saying, hey, T. Higgins is mossing every DB he was up against. Jamar Chase did it his entire rookie year. Like his expected catch rate or whatever, over catch rate over expected last year was insane. Do they just go back to it now? So you have to figure out how to stop that. First way, pass rush. We already talked about it. Get pressure. The second way to stop it, though, I think the Chiefs are going to have to challenge Joe Burrow to throw over the middle of the field. And I know I just said that he's done it. He can do it. He's done it more this year. But I think the Chiefs might need to play a lot of two high safeties. They might need to play him wide. If that means play, you know, two robber, or it means play Tampa two, and this force him to lay it up, add a little extra player down the middle to defend some of these middle seam routes to at least add somebody to run with the post route so your safeties can play wide. Your safeties have to stay over the top. If you're going to go ahead and play two-man and then throw that robber in the middle, the Chiefs do like two-man with a little robber action. Your corners can play aggressive. They can play in trail technique, and then you have a safety hanging out wide over the top to help sandwich a deep ball. Your corners now aren't worried about you know getting beat over the top. They know they have help. 
The safety knows they have help over the middle of the field. Force Joe Burrow to throw a perfect throw 30 yards down the middle of the field because he does not have the arm for that. That's not Joe Burrow's game. He's done better this year with it, but if you're going to lose to Joe Burrow throwing the ball deep and that's what it is on posts or deep benders, have at it. So I think that's where the Chiefs kind of have to start base out of too high, play him wide, have a third zone defender that can run the pole down the middle, force Joe Burrow to throw the ball up and over him in the middle of the field, see if you can catch a few mistakes or force him to hold the ball. The And positioning those safeties wide, Matty. I, that was going to be something oh, I was going to potentially yeah. suggest. I mean, you position them wide there. We've seen Juan Thornhill late to rotate on some of these cover two snaps now you know some of them he's been able to recover and get to the catch point anyway but he has been a little bit late coming over there so is justin reed so you position those two guys in a way that they can they don't have to cover more area to the sideline there especially since joe burrow's not afraid to throw there makes it easier there the question that i have with that don't disagree with anything of what you said who's going to be Who's going to be the guy that's running the pole? Who's going to be the guy in the middle of the field there? Are, are you going to lean more on that, that slot drop look that Steve Spagnuolo likes to use where you've got Legereus Sneed maybe staying a little bit outside of the hash and carrying vertically deep, and then you've got Justin Reed rotating to the middle of the field with Juan Thornhill on the opposite side? That's fine. I like that just fine, but that leaves you a little more open to some of the shallow stuff in the middle of the field with the late rotating safety. Maybe you say, hey, Nick Bolton, guess what, buddy? We're going to put you on your horse. We're going to ask you to carry vertically. If you've got a guy like you know T. Higgins or Jamar Chase operating out of the slot and trying to run a skinny post and try and beat the middle of that, you're a little bit worried. Like You don't want Steve Spagnuolo to ask him to have to man up or carry him vertically there. So there's, there's a lot of ways that they can get to that. I don't love any of them you know, that way, but it does kind of – force them maybe the Bengals a little more out of their comfort zone forced him to hold on to the ball a little bit longer and maybe that's enough for the four-man rush to get home yeah just how much stress does that put on the 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 linebackers that's that's my big question mark with all of that and like that I'm like I Hayden Hurst isn't bad I know Hayden Hurst no, got a lot of attention he's, yeah. he's got a lot of attention this week you mean Higby <laughs> Huggins Huggins 88, 85, Higgins. Oh, I, I, yeah, he's actually, he's played well. Uh, Hayden Hurst has played pretty well this year. So he's a guy I think you can, you can, I think you can run this, you know, run a seam and have him be a bender and, and, and win uh, over the top of these linebackers. Uh, he might have a chance. They run that slot job. He might have a chance. <laughs> he might have a chance to moss Justin Reed or Justin Reed might have a chance to lock him up. Players to watch, Craig. You mentioned him, Justin Reed. You're going to come out publicly and listen. Like, I mean, <laughs> you're going to come out publicly, and I know what he's he's doing there. A lot of those guys, they don't know the names of the players, and that's fine. They know them by their number. He called out the correct number. He was talking about Hayden Hurst. That's who it was. The, the you know the interviewer brought up you know oh you mean Higgins you know and that's that's kind of where it went. But if you're going to bring up an individual you better be ready to have the game of your life because now the spotlight's on you. You brought it on yourself. You you have it on you. Show up in the biggest game. He has not been terrific this season. He's not had the impact that some of us had hoped that he would have in this defense. You're, you're made for games like this. Come across the middle of the field. Be a presence. Be a hitter. Make, come up with a big play or two across the middle of the field and then 
actively fill in run support and tackle well when you have to go up and tackle Joe Mixon. Those are the two things that if Justin Reed does well, the Chiefs are going to be fine because we're worried about the middle of the field. You're a little worried about the run game. The rest of it, you can scheme around and try and take out for it and then just say, hey, you get beat by a special play. That's fine. Justin Reed can be a field tilter. He was in Houston at times. We haven't seen it in Kansas City yet. Now you come out, you talk before the game, you put something in the media. Buddy, you better show up in a big way. So I'm paying attention there. So I'm going to go with Trent McDuffie here. Um, I mean, I don't think it's much of a surprise. We're expecting the Bengals to test the Chiefs outside corners a lot on go balls, on jump balls. And whether this means McDuffie's outside or he's the guy that maybe draws the slot play versus Boyd because LeJarrius Steen wants to play outside again, as we saw to start the Chargers game before Mike Williams had to leave with injury. Maybe that's a possibility. But either way, I think McDuffie's a guy that I want to have my eye on here because I expect Steve Spagnuolo to give Joshua Williams a lot of help. When he sees that matchup, I do expect there to be help. Maybe they do throw some brackets if it's Chase versus Joshua Williams. Maybe they do just go ahead and put a safety wide over there and constantly play him as a deep half player rather than a quarter safety at times. Like I think Joshua Williams will get a lot more help than McDuffie will if he's on outside or in the slot. And in this great article by Kevin Clark written kind of in the offseason about Joe Burrow and what makes him so special, you can find it. You know, I'll actually retweet it out right now. You can see it off of my uh, Twitter page. But Joe Burrow, what's something all of his coaches and teammates would say really good about him, he understands the defensive backs he's playing against, their athletic capabilities, and how to read their body position on the field. These 50-50 balls that he throws, his team doesn't think they're 50-50 because of where he throws them and who he's throwing them against. He knows a cornerback, and this is just according to this article and what the coaches and his players are saying, he can say, oh, that corner struggles to play the ball over his inside shoulder. So if I throw this ball high over his inside shoulder, my receiver is going to play it better than that cornerback is going to. His film study on cornerbacks is apparently exceptional. His ball placement deep is great. So if he's seeing a rookie cornerback that doesn't have a ton of size in Trent McDuffie, I would not be surprised to see him test him. Try to throw the ball high on that outside shoulder. Try to give Jamar Chase and T. Higgins some jump ball opportunities. It's going to be a huge test for Trent McDuffie, who we haven't seen operate in those situations. I think Joe Burrow is going to see some stuff that he's going to want to try. So I expect McDuffie to get a few chances to make plays or have plays made on him. Hopefully he comes out on top like he has the majority of the year. Could be one of those things where if he's trying to miss, he's missing high. You know, yeah. just yeah. trying to yeah. trying to keep that away, that ball away from the, pe- the catch point a little bit. Um, because I mean, like that's the one knock on, on Trent McDuffie is his ability to get up there and challenge with length. This game's about stars. This game's about stars and I'm going with Chris Jones. I mean, we know, we know what happened with Chris Jones last year, letting a sack slip through and, uh, you know, Joey B got him, uh, I think a couple times over the course of the season that just, I mean, he slipped out. And I think this is a game where Chris Jones has that kind of motivation. He's talked already a little bit about that motivation and what's fueled him this entire offseason is is the bad taste that came from that Bengals game. And the same way you're seeing the response, you know, from I think you're going to see a response from Mahomes. I think you're going to see a response from Chris Jones, too. Um, and so I, I could I could see him getting a personal foul early in the game, trying to set a tone. Uh, but I also I'm seeing him making some big plays this week. I think this is a stars game. I think this is a game where he's going to go out and make some big plays during it. Uh, I'm going to live with that, whatever penalty he gets. Uh, if he does, 
because I'm kind of here for it. I think there's I think there's a little bit of energy and attitude I kind of want to see out of this defense that we haven't seen. I think Chris Jones can be a tone setter in that regard. It is game prediction time. Craig, what say you? I say points. Um, we, we've gotten done talking about how both defenses can come up with ways to stop these offenses and schematic ways that it can do. I, at this point, I, Patrick Mahomes, I don't think will be stopped. I, I think you're going to see the best version of him. He's been geared up to play this. They built this team for this specific purpose to go out and beat a team that is willing to do the things that the Bengals are willing to do. I think the offensive line is starting to play a little bit better. I think Mahomes is gelling with his receivers really well. I expect a lot of points by the Chiefs offense. I also expect with Jamar Chase back in the fold, this to look like the offense that we know that it can be for the Cincinnati Bengals. I expect them to score a lot of points as well. I predict it's going to come down to the last drive. Chiefs are going to win 37-34. Chris Jones is going to make his presence felt the last two plays of the game, just like in the Los Angeles Chargers game. Come up with a sack. Come up with a turnover. Chief Stevens is going to walk it off. Look, the last two times these teams have played, the Chiefs have jumped out to an early lead. It, the Chiefs' first half versus the Bengals in the AFC Championship game may have been one of the most dominant halves of football. They did everything they wanted to. The only thing that fell short was the fastest player in the NFL losing a foot race to the pylon because he decided not to participate in the foot race to the pylon, right? Like that's the only thing that went poor for them in that first half. They have shown they can have success. They can jump out on this team. The problem is the Bengals are very resilient and make great adjustments. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Chiefs jump out to an early lead again. Maybe not 21 to 3 like it was there to start that AFC championship game before the Bengals start scoring, but to jump out to a 10-point lead or something and then the things get a little bit tighter. The difference is I don't think the Chiefs are even going to remotely let off the gas at all in this game, no matter what they get up by. I do think that they are going to keep the pedal down the majority of the game. And I don't mean this is going to, I don't mean they're trying to score 90 points, but I also don't think they're not going to try to score 90. We give it to Andy Reid a lot. He doesn't want to score 90 points. If he has the ability to, he doesn't want to score 90. He would much rather win by five points and save plays. This ain't a game where I don't think that they will try to do that. I just think the Bengals will put up a heck of a fight. I think they'll score points. They'll make a comeback down the stretch. I still have the Chiefs winning this one, holding off this time 31 to 27. I think the defense makes a couple stands down the stretch. It's not a it's not a final possession game. The Bengals score to bring it close, but I do think the game is tight all the way through. And as fans watching it, we're puckered up a little bit because we know what's happened, but the Chiefs hold on this time because they don't let it off the let off the gas. So random. We'll see. I'm waiting. I well, I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if it's gonna get there. But I mean, this like we can talk about like, hey, we're worried about this this game meaning more to uh, the the players uh, than than it needs to be. I'm not a player. <laughs> <laughs> I it means a lot. That that might have been the most painful loss. Gut wrenching uh, because. The Chiefs had no business losing to that football team twice. They're the better football team. They're a better football organization. And they have a quarterback that is drastically better than the guy that is in Cincinnati. It's not even, it's not even, I don't care. It's not even close. We've had to hear a bunch of cigars, dumb arguments on media spaces about 
tearing out <laughs> the quarterbacks and some people having the audacity to put Joe Burrow in the same conversation as Patrick LeVon Mahomes. And there's one thing about Mahomes that has Mer rung true for the course of his time here in Kansas City. His responses are always with excessive force. A wave of of a wave of uh I don't mean, a wave of of talent pours upon his opponents. The responses are always beautiful. And there's only been one time where he hasn't responded with some kind of of you know retaliation and victory and that was the AFC championship game against the Bengals where he got bopped in the in the regular season and got bopped again there is no chance Patrick Lavon Mahomes is letting the team lose on Joey Sunday too cool. Joey Joey B has absolutely nothing on Mahomes moving forward because Mahomes is slamming the door shut on any stupid narrative. He's going to remind everybody who the best player in the world is in a 31-23 victory in Cincinnati. Get your cigars ready for the postgame. We'll see you at Kingdom Bar. Catch you later. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.